Well, good morning, Second Service. How's everybody doing today? Everybody doing well? It is great to see you here today. It's always great to see you here. We had a great first service this morning, and God's really moving in some incredible ways, and I, I know He's going to be moving here today as well. It's great to see you, and I'm excited about just worshiping you and continuing in worshiping with you through the reading and preaching of God's Word. Hey, before we get started, I, I just want to sort of reiterate something that, uh, that Gabe Bailey, our family pastor here, mentioned in the, in the No video that we do at the beginning of the service. He was talking about a midweek service that we are going to begin here starting this Wednesday. It's August the 31st at 6.30, and it's called DPK Live. And it's a family ministry. It's a, it's a ministry designed to impact our children uh, here at this church with the message of Christ and also to bring uh, our families together in, in really a, a, a remarkable and creative way. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very interacting. It's going to be something where they grow and learn. And, and I know that Gabe and, and Nick and all the volunteers of our children's ministry have put so much effort into getting ready for this day. And um, I just want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. I know that God's going to do incredible things through that ministry, and I can't wait to see what, what he does uh, this Wednesday night. So I just want to sort of throw that out there to you. Uh, and, and just speaking of our children's ministry, I just want to say also how thankful I am. Listen at him go. I love that, don't you? Uh, I just want to say how thankful. You know, every service, uh, in the first service and the second service, we have just a multitude of volunteers that are working just outside these walls. And, uh, and, and I tell you, it's, it's laboring sometimes, but it is, it is amazing the opportunity we have to bless children and be a part of their life and, and to see them being discipled and raised up in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, I just want to, first of all, thank God, but I want to thank our volunteers as well this morning for all the hard work that they do in it. Can we just say thank you to Jesus and to our volunteers this morning? As we think about all the effort that they put into it, I tell you, it's, it's amazing, uh, you know, just the amount of work it takes to, to minister to children, but what a blessing it is. So I just wanted to say that before we dive into the Word here this morning. Today we're in the, the fourth week of our series where we've been walking through James chapter 1, and uh, we've been talking about how the many different ways that, that James, he sort of presents to us these situations or these things that that may test our faith from time to time. We, we know that oftentimes in the middle of our circumstances, especially if they're very difficult, it can be challenging to us, and it can be a, a bit of a testing to us. And, and, and so uh, that's what James has been sort of presenting to us. But I wanted to say today, I haven't said this yet about uh, James, uh, the book of James or James chapter 1, but that really the theme of, James, uh, of the book of James is maturity. James is wanting the the follower of Christ Jesus. He's wanting the the disciple. He's wanting the the child of God to know that that there is a great need in our life to mature as believers in Christ Jesus. And so if you were to look at the whole uh, book as a whole, that's what you would sort of see. And, And one of the key phrases that's being used today as we dive into this text, into the Word, is is James is going to challenge us to be doers of the Word, to be doers of the Word. And that's sort of the key phrase here today. You know, I was was studying for this and and really just kind of thinking through this and and realizing that James is sort of making a transition today in the text. He's He's been laying out all these situations where our faith is challenged, 
And today, he sort of transitions into this idea of us now serving or, or taking action in our faith, being doers of the word. And, and he challenges us. There's, we're going to see here, this is, this is where we see challenging. And I, I started thinking about this and, and, and really just understanding this need to mature and to be disciples of Christ Jesus. Did you know that in the New Testament, us being described as children of God or followers of Christ, the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. But the word disciple is used 269 times in the New Testament. Now, disciple is a word that is, is used to, to describe a learner or a student. A student of what? A student of God, a student of theology, a student of doctrine. That's, that's the context of what followers of Christ are being called all throughout the Scripture. And so we see in the New Testament, as the church is sort of birthed, as Jesus has founded and established the, the church, we see that the church, the, the followers of Christ Jesus, are referred to more often than not as disciples. And so we are challenged with this idea that, that we are to be learning, we are to be growing, we are, be, we are to be maturing in our faith as followers of Christ Jesus. And so that's what, that's what James is going to begin to do. He's going to begin to sort of make this transition. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God here this morning and, uh, and, and see what God has to say to us this morning. So pray with me, if you will, this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for your presence in our life. Lord, we thank you for, God, the reality that we have been saved by grace through faith. And Father, that you, you loved us in such a way that you were willing to send your Son to die on the cross for the atonement of our sins. And Father, that through the shedding of the blood of Christ, we have forgiveness. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, for your presence in our life. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to walk with you and to grow with you as we, as we learn more about you and, and understand our role in this, this relationship that we have with you. Father, I pray that as we look into your word that you would, Lord, just help us to set aside everything that may distract us this morning. Father, every one of us sitting here probably has something in our minds that is, is volleying for time in our heads. And I pray, Father, that we would just have the capacity this morning to set all that aside and to, to read your word and to hear from your word and to ultimately hear from you. God, help us to be this morning hearers of your word, that we may also be doers of your word. God, we love you so much, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter 1. That's where we are. That's where you're probably already at in your Bible this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 25. That's our text today. And like I've already said, James is going to sort of make this transition here. But as we look into the text, it, it sort of has this appearance of a list of do's and don'ts for the, for the Christian. And you know, obviously, we, we sort of push back on that as believers in Christ Jesus, but I don't believe that that's James's intent as he writes this this morning. It may take on the appearance of don't do this and do do this, but, but I believe that James's intent 
And what he is saying here in our text is to really challenge the believer to, to evaluate oneself, to look into the mirror, if you will, and, and, and to try to understand what it is that you see, to evaluate oneself as a, as a child of God, to evaluate oneself as a, as a disciple of Christ Jesus. And that in doing that, we learn something not only about who God is, but we also learn something about who we are. And as we do that, we grow and we mature in our faith and, and we come to realize that, that obedience is directly tied to this grand love that we have for Jesus. That it's not about do's and don'ts, but it's about loving God so much that our greatest desire is to bring glory to him to please him, to live for him, to walk with him. And so that's our heart's desire. And that's what James is going to be communicating here this morning, you know, uh, as we dive into this text. So read with me, if you will, starting with verse 19 and following. James starts off like this. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then he goes away and he once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but instead a doer who acts, the word of God says he will be blessed in his doing. Over the years as a follower of Christ, I, I've, I've gotten to be where it seems as though almost every single day I evaluate my walk with Jesus. I think that just so, sort of comes with the territory. You know, we, uh, if you're like me, you struggle a little bit with insecurity and, and, and things like that, and you, you wonder if you're doing enough for Jesus. You're wondering if you're doing enough for the kingdom. You wonder if you're doing right by God. And so I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just I wonder, you know, am I, am, I, am I living out my life the way Christ would want me to live out my life? Am I living... As a disciple of Christ Jesus, am I learning enough? Am I praying enough? Am I doing all of these things enough? Am I living for Jesus in such a way that is, is, you know, that God would be pleased with me? And I think that there is nothing wrong with this spiritual evaluation. In fact, I think all throughout Scripture we see where we are encouraged to sort of evaluate our relationship with Jesus. That's something that really helps us in understanding how we are living out our faith in Christ Jesus. And so as, as I've lived out my life, I find myself doing that. You know, in Scripture, it teaches us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. I've always just sort of looked at that and wondered, how can I test myself? We've been talking about how James, in this book, he, he starts off and he says, these situations will test your faith. These situations and these circumstances, they will challenge you. And in those challenges, in those unique situations that you find yourselves in, those things that, that, are, that exist in our life, 
Those things will sometimes test our faith. But here, the Word of God actually says for us to test ourselves, to, to challenge ourselves, to, to, to look within and, and to ask, you know, am I, am I living my life the way, in such a way that it would be very pleasing to God? And so we, we come to understand that this is probably something as a believer in Christ that we often do. Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I don't know about you, but that challenges me. It challenges me when I find myself in sin. It challenges me when I, I find myself living my life in, in such a way that may not be pleasing to God. And I just am reminded as a child of God to, to live my life in such a way that obedience sort of reigns in my life. Oftentimes when I find myself evaluating myself, there's, there's three things that I sort of focus in on. And I, and I say it like this. I, I look at myself and I say, David, you know, what is the greatest need in your life? What is the greatest challenge in your life at this moment? And what is the greatest opportunity that I have now as a child of God? And so the need, the challenge, and the opportunity. And as I thought about that, I, I looked into the scriptures and I, I began to see where, where this seems to be what James is wanting to communicate to us. As believers in Christ Jesus, as we evaluate ourselves as we ourselves look into the mirror and ask ourselves, what is it that we see? And so this morning, I want to sort of dive into this. And, and just if it helps you, uh, I'll, I'll share with you what, what I feel like my greatest need is, what my greatest challenge is, and what my opportunities are. And, and I, I can almost imagine that they are the same for you as well. And so the first thing when I look in this passage is I think about this, that there's a need for more of God in my life. There's a need for more of God. It seems as though sometimes we live out our life, and, and as we live out our life, we try to, and I love Spence and was, was challenging the, the worship team with this just this morning, but as we live out our life, we try, to, we try to see where we might can bring God into the picture and sort of insert him into the picture where really, quite honestly, we should be looking to God first and saying, God, my life is about you, and where does everything else fit into the picture? And so here we see where James really sort of challenges us with this. And, and I love this. I love this entire text. I love how it challenges me to think about what is needed most in my life. And I know as I ask that question of myself, I know that I could always use more of God. And so here we, we look at this text. And, and I love what James does here. Because what happens is, is James, he, he, begins to, he begins to speak, and in this first verse, these first couple of verses that we're going to look at, it's not really the big thing that he's saying that really grabbed my attention as much as the little subtle things that he says here in this text that really sort of stopped me in my tracks. But I was reading through this, and, and, and it, it really it struck me that what James is doing here is he is identifying who we are in Christ in other words, he's sort of painting this picture of our identity before he lays out the do's and the don'ts of our life, those practical things in our life. And I love this. I started reading this, and, and here in this first passage, in, in, in first verse, in verse 19 that we're looking at here, he says this, and it just, man, it just, it just sort of stopped me in my tracks. He says, know this, my beloved brother. If you have your Bibles open this morning or you're highlighting or taking notes, just underline that word, beloved. I love that. 
James is my beloved brother. Now, no doubt the context of what he's saying here, he's, he, he, he no doubt loves the, the ones that he is writing to. He says, my beloved brother, he, no doubt he loves. But as I look at that word, I think about the reality that we as followers of Christ Jesus are beloved by God. That God loves us so much that he would send his son to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That he loved us so much that he would allow this opportunity for us to have this amazing relationship with Jesus. And that he loved us so much that he would would allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. That we would be able to walk and live out this life in the eternal presence of God. And I look at that word and I'm just reminded of this great love that God has for us. We are his beloved. We are his beloved. And James sort of points to that. Every, I believe every reader of this letter, when he wrote it, would have understood the meaning of of being beloved by God. And so here he starts off with this. Beloved, this word, this term, this term of, of, of affectionate endearment. You know, when I think of beloved, I think of, I think of my wife, who is my beloved, my, my children, who I love, my, my grandchildren, who I love, my, my parents and my brothers and my sisters, whom I love, my cousins, my extended family, and even my faith family, whom I love. This term of endearment, this term of great affection, James starts off helping us to identify ourselves as those who are loved by God. And I think that's a great place to start, don't you? As we dive into this, as he begins to challenge us with these these truths that we're going to read, he starts off and he says, he says, beloved brothers, beloved sisters, if you will. And then he says this, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man, uh, the anger of a man does not produce, look at this, the righteousness of God. There it is again, that subtle thing. I can't tell you how many times I've heard verse 19 and 20 preached and it talks about the tongue, the taming of the tongue. And no doubt that's one of the things that James is is certainly pointing to. But but as he does that, do you see what he's doing? Do you understand where he's he's sort of going at here? He he talks about this great love that we have for God, this the, the fact that we are his God's beloved children, and then he sort of says, Listen, be be slow to speak and quick to, to hear and, and, and to listen. And then he, he moves into that we would understand that the goal in our life is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Holiness, righteousness, perfection. Those are the goals that have been set for us that we try to live out these do's and don'ts as we try to understand that, that we know that we're loved, but we also know that the goal is the righteousness of God. Righteousness can be defined like this, behavior that is morally right or justified. Behavior that is morally right or justified. But who is to establish what is right and acceptable behavior? The world? The world in which we live in? No, not at all. God, God himself is the one who establishes what is right, what is acceptable, what is good. It is God. And and here's what's so amazing as we we do this this study on on righteousness, as we try to understand what it is that, 
that we need to understand about righteousness, we, we begin to realize that, that if we want to understand righteousness, all we have to do is look to God's own perfection. He is the standard for morality. He is the standard for, for, for perfection. He is the standard. He is through his character, through his attributes, through his very nature of who he is. He is perfect. He is righteous. Jesus is righteous. And so our goal in life is to pursue that righteousness. Why? Because he is righteous. He is righteous. And so here we begin to see that James is is laying this out for us. The, you know, the bad news is, is that true righteousness, God's standard, it's not possible for us on our own. And oftentimes we lean on that. We, well, I'm not perfect. I'm, I, man, I, I can't be perfect in this world. Of course you can't. That's the bad news. Uh, but the good news is that through Christ, we can be made righteous. Through Christ, we can be made holy. Through Christ, we can be made perfect because he is perfect. Because he is righteous, because he is holy. And so the reality is is that, that we can't do it on our own, but the good news is that true righteousness is possible through Christ Jesus, the cleansing of our sin, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. All of these things are possible because of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 helps us understand this. It says this, it says, for, for our sake, he, meaning the Father, he made him, meaning the Son, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. We can't do it on our own. But praise God that Jesus is our conqueror. Praise Jesus Jesus is our champion, amen? That he was willing to go to the cross and die on the cross for the atonement of our sins. That Jesus is our champion. And so we see here that we... Are, are, are to pursue this righteousness, even though we know that alone we could never achieve it, but that through Christ we can be made right with God. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 calls us to put off your old self because oftentimes we think about it, well, if I can't do it, then I just won't even attempt to do it. I won't live for, in pursuit of the righteousness because outside of Christ, I couldn't do it anyway. But the Bible's also very clear that we are to pursue this righteousness. When Paul's writing to the Ephesians, he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. So he says, that natural man that you are, put it away. Get rid of it. Do away with it. Uh, he, he says, which belongs to your manner uh, to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And then he says this in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, he says. Why? Because we're created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so here we see this challenge for us that begins with this understanding that we are beloved children of God. And it is the reality that we are beloved that should really be the fuel that drives us to, to pursue this, this righteousness. It, it's not the do's and don'ts of, of Scripture that, that we're sort of like this master and slave sort of relationship that they have with God where he is cracking the whip saying, you better do this or else. It's not that at all. For the, for the authentic believer in Christ Jesus, it's, it's a love relationship that he has accomplished so much for me 
and he has done so much for me and he has transformed my heart in such a way that the desires of my heart are no longer what I used to have as desires, but now they're new desires within me to pursue this righteousness that Christ is bestowing upon me. And so we chase after him. We chase after the cross. We pursue him with all that we have. Why? Because we're beloved. Now, here's where he brings the challenge. So for me, I look at this and I think, man, I just need more of God. And then I see this challenge to be a doer of the word. Starting with verse 22, he says this. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror For he looks at himself and he goes away and he once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. A doer who acts. Here's what what James is basically saying. He says we listen. We listen to the word of God. We hear the word of God. We listen The hearing of the word of God precedes our doing of the word of God. We listen for the word of God, and then suddenly we find ourselves acting or doing the word of God. We're living. And so what James is presenting here is that we, as we evaluate ourselves, as we examine ourselves, even as we test ourselves, and we ask the question, where do I stand with Jesus? Where do I stand in this relationship with God? We listen for that answer from him, we listen to, we, we read his word, we study his word, and we get that word, and then we apply that word to our life. We begin to live out what we read in scripture. We begin to live out what we hear in prayer. We begin to become doers of the word. And it's very important that we understand that that, that is what the true believer, that is what the authentic follower of Christ Jesus is content with because there is something now within him, this heart change that has taken place that is now driving him to be doers of the word. It's really important for us to understand this. Now, James is talking about uh, the the context of what he's talking about, no doubt is the, the written word of God, but make no mistake, the written word of God is given to us that we may know the living word of God, amen? that we may know the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't worship the Bible. We don't worship the gospel, but the gospel is the good news that points us. The gospel is the word of God, lowercase w, that points us to the word of God, capital W. You see what I'm saying? The word of God, the living God, who we know is Jesus Christ. And so here, as we talk about knowing the word and, 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 and living By the word, acting out the word, being doers of the word, it's important that we understand that we must know the living Christ. We're not to just be talking about the word of God. We're to be talking about the word of God, Jesus Christ. John 1.1, I love how he starts off describing who Jesus is. He says this, he says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is, how J- this is how John describes Jesus. He is the living word. He is the word that we hear. He is the word that we know. He is the word that we have a relationship with, that we may be doers of the word. And here, John 
He, he could have started this letter out in this gospel any way he wanted, any way he felt, but he felt led to, to share with us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Paul said it like this. He said, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training of righteousness. Speaking of the written Word, and then he says this, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. I love that. That as we listen to the word, as we hear the word, as we are living for the word, we hear the word of God, we understand the word of God, we apply the word of God on our life because the word of God has been given to us, that which is profitable to us, that the man of God may be made, what? Complete. That we may be made complete, equipped for every good work. What is a good work? It's that which we do. It's that which we have been given to do and that which we act upon when we hear from the word of God. It's the child of God. It's the disciple who, in his growing in his faith, he comes to a place where he hears from the word of God and he responds as a doer of the word of God. And that's what James is communicating here. He says one of the greatest challenges we have is to be a doer of the word. So here's what he says. He says we need to have more of God. We need to have more of God in our life. And I agree with that. I know for me, I could always use more of God. How about you this morning? I, we, that we need more of God. Amen. We need more of God in our life and less of this world, I can promise you. But the challenge is being a doer of the word, taking the word of God, that which we hear, and acting upon it. And then, then this is what he says here. And, and let me read this quote by, by Matthew Henry before I dive into this last piece because I love this. I almost went over it, but let me just go ahead and give it to you. Matthew Henry, he says this. He says, it's not enough to remember what we hear and to be able to repeat it and give testimony to it and commend it and write it and preserve what, is, what we have written, but that which all this is in order to and which crowns the rest is that we be doers of the word. And so Matthew Henry would say, it's not good enough to just hear it, memorize it, and even write it down in our journals. We must apply it to our life. And so there's the challenge. But here's what he offers in the last part of this text. And I love this because I, I realize it to be true in my life and, and in your life as well. Not only does he give us the need and the challenge, but he gives us the opportunity. And what he says is that when we begin to live out our lives in obedience to what Christ has called us to, and when we begin to live out our life in obedience to the word of God, that we will be blessed and we will be able to bless others. That's our opportunity, to be blessed by God, to be blessed by God in such a way that, that we have eternal peace, that we have eternal joy, that we, we are forever encouraged by the Spirit of God that lives so deeply within us. We, we know there's no void in our life because we know that we're living for God and, and there's a, a spirit of obedience in our life and we are, we are doers of the Word and we are acting on what it is that God is calling us to do. And as we live out our life, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are deeply blessed. And the reality is when we're blessed, 
others around us are going to be blessed as well. Let's look at this real quickly. We don't have a lot of time, hardly any at all. Brian Roy texted me this morning and said, hey, here's another thought for the message. I said, mine's already two and a half hours. I don't need another thought. Please don't give me another thought. So he said, well, I'll just use this. I said, you use it in equipment. I got my own thought, you know. It's going to take us three hours this morning. Here's what James says. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but he's a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Over and over and over, the Bible speaks of the blessings of a child of God who is obedient to God. Over and over in Scripture, the Scriptures teach us that through our obedience, we please God. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about how Obedience is greater than even our sacrifice. You know, it's funny how we as, as humanity, we, we can so easily think of all the things that we're sacrificing in life for God. Have you ever thought about that? You know, Maybe you did that this morning coming to church. You probably wouldn't admit it. I probably wouldn't either, right? But, but the reality is we're like, yeah, I can, I, can give a, I can give a couple of hours for church this morning before I go play golf. You know? I can give up my few hours to go spend time with God and you know, God doesn't care what you sacrifice for him. He, what he wants is your obedience. He wants you to walk with him. He wants your heart to be intent on him. It's not what we can give up for God. It's what God has given us that we should be running to, that we should be living for, that we should be so encouraged by. As a child of God, our greatest desire should be, God, we want more of you. Your greatest desire this morning should be that your pastor would preach for six hours. That should be your, I'm kidding. That God would give you more this morning, that you would hear from him and your heart would be filled and you'd say, man, God, I want more of you. That should be our heart. He's not concerned with what we give up for him. He, he wants our obedience. He wants our, he wants our life. He wants us to live for him. First Samuel 15, 21, Samuel asks, he says this. It's a rhetorical question. He says, has the, Lord as great, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of lambs. The Old Testament pointing to this reality that God's not interested in what we sacrifice. He's interested in our obedience to his word we hear his voice and we act on his voice we hear the word of God and we become doers of the word of God not because it's a bunch of do's and don'ts I've heard so many unbelievers say yeah I don't need y'all's do's and don'ts in the Bible it's not those things that I care anything about it's, it's the fact that I gain everything in knowing him and knowing the living word. There's such great blessing. The biggest question is, what does it mean to be blessed? You know, to really understand what it means to be blessed, you have to go to Psalm chapter 1. And I know you're probably ready to go, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because i still got 2 minutes and 37 seconds. I'm actually ahead of the game right now. 
I'm watching. I'm ahead of the game. But Psalm chapter 1 gives us a glimpse of what it means to be blessed by God. To be blessed as we become doers of the word. Look at this with me, if you will. Psalm 1, verse 1 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but, you see that? Blessed is this guy that I'm fixing to say. Here's who's blessed. You ready for this? Here's who's blessed. Verse 2. But who delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in the season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. You know what it's like to be blessed by God? You want to know what it means to be blessed by God? Read Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 1 tells us that we're blessed when we delight in the Word of God. Not push back on the law, but delight in the law of the Word. To delight in the law of God, the Word of God. To love it because Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. To to be faithful, to be obedient because God first loved us. You know, we just finished up the Olympics. Well, you and I didn't, but our country did, right? <laughs> it's funny, I said that the other day, and they said, you were in the Olympics? Was, they were being funny. But the Olympics just came to a close, and you know, I was thinking about that this during this time of just preparation and thinking about this this morning, and the reality is every single person that was an athlete in the Olympics, they went down there for one thing. You know what that is? A gold medal. That's what their dream was. That's what their pursuit was. Nothing wrong with that. That's what, that's what we sent them down there for. Go win us a gold. Go for the gold. Every single Olympic athlete was hoping for that that gold medal. That's what they are racing for. That is the prize at the end. That is what they're striving for. That is what they're longing for. Well, for us as believers in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of Christ is our prize. The holiness of God is our prize. And in the same way that these Olympians would strive for their gold medal, we as believers in Christ should be striving for the prize that awaits us, the the, the righteousness, the holiness of God. That's what drives us as believers. That's what causes us to move forward as children of God, is the prize that awaits us, the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We know we're not perfect. We know our shortcomings. We acknowledge our inadequacies. But the prize doesn't change. The goal is still there. The righteousness of Christ is what we race for. The prize of Christ is what we long for. And we want more of that. And we run until it's over. We don't give up. Psalm 1 says, blessed if you delight in the word. He says, blessed is a tree that is planted by a stream that yields its fruit 
in the season. What is the fruit of a disciple of Jesus? More disciples. Jesus himself, he challenges us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Blessed is the man who pursues the righteousness of Christ because he will see those who come with him along the way. And then finally he says this, and I love this, and you will love this. Blessed is the one who is like a leaf who does not wither. But in all that he does, he prospers. He wins because he was faithful, because he was obedient, because sin and worldly ways was not his focus. Christ was. This morning, I hope that for you, that your greatest desire this morning is to want more of God. In just a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to spend a time just reflecting on the message and maybe what God has spoken into our life this morning. And as we do that, we are preparing to partake in the Lord's Supper. So don't get up and leave. We're, we're going to continue to worship through the partaking together as a faith family in the Lord's Supper. But as I pray and as our band comes and they sing, would you just remain seated? Would you just remain seated and just be thankful for a holy and righteous God that loved you so much that he would, he would consider you his beloved and that he loved you so much that he would send his only son whose body would be broken on a cross whose blood would be spilled for the atonement and the forgiveness of our sin, who would be buried in a borrowed tomb only to have victory over sin and death in three days by coming from the grave. Would you be thankful this morning for a Savior who doesn't lie in a tomb dead but lives today as the living Word, who is speaking into our life that we may grow and mature as believers in Christ Jesus. Would you just reflect on who Christ is to you? Our men are gonna, I'm gonna ask them to go ahead and make their way to the back and we're gonna prepare to pass out the elements of the Lord's Supper. I'm gonna pray for us. They'll come, the band will sing and then we'll partake together in this holy sacrament. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Father, for your presence in our life. And God, how encouraged we are to know that, Lord, you would consider us your beloved. And God, the things that we're called to do, the practical things that we, we recognize as action steps for our faith, God, we recognize that those are things that we are driven to in a spirit of obedience, not because you're cracking the whip, but because we choose to love you back. Father, this morning we are thankful that you loved us so much that you would send your son to die on the cross. And Father, I pray that for each and every one of us here today that there would be a 
a spiritual checkup, if you will, an evaluation of our life, that we would all be at a place where we ask the question, God, where do I stand? And Father, if we, if we need answers to questions, Father, may we find those in you, may we find those in our pastors that are willing to help, may we find those in our friends that are discipling us. Father, may we find the answers to the questions we seek in your word. Father, today may we reflect on how beautiful you are and how wonderful you are and how faithful you are. And Lord, may we take this communion celebrating not just the body that was broken and not just the blood that was spilled, but the power that you have to have victory over both sin and death. So, Father, we love you, and we praise you, and we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.